Well, you know, the Breakdown Podcast wasn't going to sleep on the NFL draft, even though we weren't sure what it was going to look like. First, we thought, okay, Radio City Music Hall, where it is every year. No, 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 we're going to do it in Vegas. But Poppy, we're going to do it in Vegas on duck boats. We want boats flowing through the Bellagio fountain pool area as we lure 315-pound offensive linemen out to the draft stage because because that was going to work. And now <laughs> it's all virtual because of the pandemic. Um, but before we get into that, I mean, like, what did you think of that Vegas experiment <laughs> that you were going to try? Well, from the beginning, I guess we knew that this draft was going to be unique. Um, obviously, now we're in kind of... Uh, I, I assume we're going to kind of see what it's like from the MLB draft kind of scenario. So I think sure. that's what it's going to kind of look like. But when I first saw that, that was the first thing that came to my mind, too, is like guys like Derek Brown who are going to be going on on the water, offensive linemen going on the water. I was just it's it's, <laughs> it's almost UFC Dana Whitish. It's almost yeah. like, hey, watch this or even like do. WWE ish, too. Now, if I want to play the devil's advocate, this is the first year that the team from Las Vegas will be drafting as the team from Las Vegas. So fine, you want to glam it up a little bit, whatever. Now now it's all academic. I just thought that was sort of a humorous uh, storyline before the storyline took hold of the entire world, of course, with COVID. I should probably take this time to to extend our, our deepest sympathies to, to those affected by what's gone on in Nova Scotia. We now have Canada's new worst mass shooting in history it's kind of disturbing to 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 think about how quickly that can happen how commonplace it uh it, it has become certainly south of the border so uh thoughts and prayers on that and you have anything to say it's unfortunate that uh it has to be coined as such as well and and uh it's unfortunate that it's so prevalent in in today's news that uh you know it's it's just another one so um I mean, hopefully we can buck this trend. Obviously, as you mentioned, we see it much more down south, but the fact that it's kind of hitting home now for for us Canadians, it's uh, a scary thing. Yeah, so we'll certainly monitor that moving forward. But this one is a sports show. We, we've we talked so much about how the interwoven worlds uh, of what's going on sort of societally right now in sports. This one's all sports, finally. It, it, it's been great to, to, to prep for this one. You know, we were super excited to get our good buddy Mike Speck back on the show as the first recurring guest here on the Breakdown Pod. You can go back to episode one and get his thoughts on Tom Brady as a Buccaneer. And now we can look forward to who he thinks is going to be a new piece alongside Tom Brady for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers as we break down uh, basically the first 10 or so picks 10 to 12 we talk about the run on wide receivers Uh, football fans kind of know where that's going to be in that range and then just cherry pick some of our other uh, our other maybe more intriguing storylines what are the Eagles going to do that kind of thing where where do the Patriots go now that Brady isn't there Uh, a lot of interesting stuff to be talked about and I'm excited to share that with everybody watch the breakdown All 
right, it's about damn time we started taking a deep dive back into sports here on the Breakdown Pod, and I can't think of a better guest to help preview the 2020 NFL Draft than the first one to make multi-appearances, several appearances on this show. It is Mike Speck checking in, a resident sports fan, all-around good guy, Mike Speck checking in from Ontario. Speck, thanks for, your, uh, thanks for jumping back on, buddy. How you doing? Oh, I'm doing great. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for having me back on. Um, it's, uh, you know, it's going to be a, a weird draft, I think this year. I mean, especially coming from a Patriots fans perspective, um, have no idea what the team's going to do. Um, you know, and just, just overall, I mean, I, I think it's, it's a really fascinating one for, um, yeah, just for a lot of the teams involved, there's some, some really interesting picks. It's going to be, uh, it's going to be a neat one to mock out and then see how it actually plays out. Oh, for sure. And not only how the selections are going to come down, but of course it started out with they're going to do things on boats on the, you know, fountain water of the Bellagio in Vegas. And then, of course, it all gets shut down. So this was going to be a weird draft, regardless of whether it was held online like it is now or whether they were going to go ahead with the original plan before COVID shut it all down. But we are here on the breakdown pod to break down exactly how we think this first round is going to go, or at least the lottery. We'll get through picks uh, probably one through ten, and then we'll start um, really hitting on some of the maybe more of the more interesting storylines there's going to be a run at wide receiver at some point, so we'll touch on that. And then some of the late-round surprises. Of course, a new era for the Patriots. We'll see where they're going to go at pick number 23 as well. And I'm very curious about a team like a Dolph- the Dolphins guys who acquired so much draft capital for the first round for this draft. So where are they going to go with so much uncertainty labeled with both of those two top quarterbacking prospects and Justin Herbert and Tua Tagovailoa. So um, there's kind of the primer. Uh, Brett, no better time than now to kick it off with number one. What do you think? Yeah, I think we all kind of have an uh, unanimous uh, number one pick. I think we can all kind of say ours at the same time. Um, but, uh, my number one picks actually Bryce Hall, uh, from Virginia. (laughs) (laughs) No, uh, Joe Burrow, of course, LSU quarterback, national championship, uh, winner. Um, and he's been etched in at number one for months, seems like a year now, but, uh, yeah, I'm going Joe Burrow, number one for the Bengals. This is such a weird one because it's such an obvious pick now. And if you go back to the summer, I mean, he might have been touted as an NFL backup. So, Spect, is there any chance that this is fool's gold? Or did you really love the dominance that you saw? Because it was really across the board for the LSU program this year. And I just would hate to see a team like Cincinnati get burned, especially because Burrow's the hometown guy from Ohio. Yeah, I, I mean, for me, I would love to see a team like Cincinnati get burned. I mean, it seems to happen all the time, and it, it seems like they're allergic to winning even when they do make the playoffs. So, I mean, this seem, it does seem like the classic, like, vintage fool's gold pick, and I think regardless of how talented he is, I think they're going to ruin him anyway. Um, but I am always weary about kind of a, a one, you know, a one-year wonder flash in the pan kind of guy. And is he really that great? You know, Jamarcus Russell was a, you know, a perfect example of that where he he looked phenomenal 
um, and, and his one, uh, I think it was his senior season and he, he looked great. Got drafted number one overall and, and never really reached those highs. I think for a guy like Joe Burrow, especially because he hasn't done it over, over a long period of time, he needs to go into a well-established program somewhere that can develop him, um, you know, and maybe not put all the weight and expectation on him. And with Zach Taylor as their coach, we don't know if he can coach. We don't know how good he is um, as a coach, a developing player. So we'll see. I think the talent is there. I think every time I watched him this year, he was electric. Um, it was, you know, it, it was must see TV every time that he was on. So I think that the potential is there. It's just, is this the situation that can harness that, you know, that electricity. And right down into that championship game as well, where you just saw the full skill set on display. He's agile. He's strong enough to compete at the NFL level. He doesn't have an extremely strong arm, but he's as accurate as hell, according to a lot of scouts. So, I mean, there's a lot of reasons to think that this one might work out for them. And then there's the Cinderella storyline, of course, of him playing for his home state team. Um, You know, over and above the fact that they've just needed to move, move on from Andy Dalton for so long. So, uh, you know, Burrow's the de facto number one here. I think he earned that over the last year, but, but will it carry at the NFL level? That's going to be the big question as it always is, as it always is when you invest that much into a quarterback. So there's your first offensive player off the board, gentlemen, Washington Redskins, or excuse me, the Washington football team, Mr. Snyder are picking number two. Uh, and, and there's, you have to stay here and you have to take Chase Young, right? And it's stripped by guess who? Well, I mean, look at the Redskins, uh, well, the Washingtonians' biggest, um, you know, their their biggest weakness for the last few years have kind of been that defense. They haven't really had a big defensive star, I would say, for, for them on that side of the football. So I think being able to get what is probably or who is probably the best athlete in this draft in Chase Young, I think, is the fact that they can get them at, get him at number two as well is it's almost a steal too. Yeah. I, I think anytime you have a, you know, like he, he's the most talented player in the draft and anytime that you can get the most talented player in the draft, you jump on it. And just to have a, a big disruptive animal basically added to your defense. Um, it's a, it's a whole new dynamic. And I think with the Redskins, even though they have a new coaching regime coming in there, like is Dwayne Haskins good? Like we, he kind of came on at the end of last season. We don't know what their need really is at quarterback. They have a couple of different options. Maybe they want to see what they have in Haskins. So it just, yeah, it seems like the the perfect pick for them. Yes. He's a six, six, two sixty four. He's And there's been some talk that he's going to be better than both of the Bosa brothers. So if that's the case, I think that you, you draft the floor in this situation. Absolutely. Now, Brett, you made the comment off air that the draft really starts at pick three with the Detroit lions, because this is where you start to hear the talk of, are we going to see a team like the chargers trade up and, and try and pick a quarterback ahead of Miami? Are you going to see Miami trade up and make sure that they get their guys so that the chargers don't, um, or are either Justin Herbert or Tua Tagovailoa even worth that kind of investment? Because there's big red flags next to each of them. So what do you guys have Detroit doing at number three? And we'll start with spec. It could go either way because it's, it's such a win now situation in Detroit. And I, I think knowing that they have a Patriots regime there 
in place. Uh, the Patriots are notorious for trading back, gathering assets, gathering picks. Um, and it's been made very clear by the Ford family in Detroit. If if you don't win this season, you're basically you're out. You know, they're going to clean house. So they're not in a situation where they can roll the dice on one of these rookie quarterbacks. They're going to roll with Matt Stafford. I do think I have them making a trade. And I think I think the Chargers are probably the likely team to try and try and fire up and, and get ahead of, of Miami here. Um, I'm not sure what the rest of their draft capital is looking like, so I don't know what the trade would look like, but they need to draft a star. They, nobody's coming out to their games. They, they're in kind of desperation mode for, for getting a quarterback. And I don't think that they're going to start Tyrod Taylor. So I have a swap, um, chargers moving up, um, and, and trying to take to a Tungo Vialoa. Interesting. Interesting, Brett. I, and it's funny because I think we're all going to have three different answers for the number three spot. Um, I agree with Specht in the fact that I think it's going to be the Chargers who are going to be uh, jumping over the Dolphins in this case. I think because of the fact that the Giants don't need a quarterback, they kind of benefit from having that kind of pillow right now. So they can kind of take the offspring of whichever one uh the Chargers don't take at number three, but uh, I end up having the Chargers taking Justin Herbert at uh, number three uh, from Oregon. Herbert's got it. Stiff arm again. Quarterback in the clear. Inside the 10. A hat trick of touchdowns from Justin Herbert. I think that, you know, his size and just the fact that he is at least to everyone's knowledge, healthy. Uh, he is able, he's a big guy. And is coming out of a, a great, unique program in Oregon. So I think I think Herbert, with the question marks around Tua, um, will end up going third overall to uh, the Los Angeles Chargers. It's an interesting one, and it, it's it's funny how the narrative has shifted with because t- it was tank for Tua, and it had always been tank for Tua. Yeah. But the more that you read about him, and the more that you delve into that injury history, and and forecasting what those previous indus- injuries might come back as, uh, and, and sort of reinvent themselves as in terms of uh, loss of bone density and that sort of thing, and the major hip problems that he had so there's some serious serious concerns about Tua and that's why I don't think that either of these teams really needs to trade up for him so uh, with your win now attitude in mind spec I think that uh, Jeff Okuda has to go here to Detroit and Okuda as a corner showed last week and already this week he does like to come up and hit you I think they do play it safe I think it makes the most sense that's where that's who we've seen there mocked the the most frequent and they um, Darius Slade is now a Philadelphia Eagle, and he was a big part of that defense. So I think that they just take the easy road. They fill that gap. Okuda was great on film at Ohio State, uh, which has produced some pretty high-end cornerbacks over the years, as we know. So uh, I, I think they they take that option. They're not quite ready to move on from Stafford yet. But, boys, I think they're getting pretty close here. Yeah, and I just I, I see this scenario where they could trade back and make a pick swap with you know one of those teams looking to move up whether it's herbert or or tua and then they can still get jeff okuda and and replace um slay i I think that that's a likely scenario for them as well um but you're right i mean they need to they need to fill a void there on on defense and then just get more bodies in there and become 
you know, just become a better football team and get more guys who, who can buy in. So I think the more they're going to try and gather more picks throughout this draft one way or another. Just seems like they're they're never really quite able, at least in my time of awareness, to 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 get over the hump. They have Stafford as their first overall pick, and they just can't quite put the pieces around him, which makes me really wonder what would have been if Calvin Johnson hadn't retired at an early age. But yeah, it seems like guys have have a hard time buying into Matt Patricia as well. Like I, I don't know how that's going to work out there. In the New York Giants camp, there has basically been two ways that you can see pick number four go here. I think they will keep this pick. I think they will pick at number four. But gentlemen, they they essentially have two options. Do you take the impact player? They already drafted their quarterback of the future, quote unquote. Uh, (laughs) I disagree with that notion, but they like Daniel Jones. So to me, rather than go with the splashier, higher upside player in that hybrid linebacker of Isaiah Simmons, they're going to play it safe and they're going to protect their franchise quarterback and they're going to take the first offensive lineman out of Iowa. It's going to be Tristan Wirfs for the Giants for me at number four. I have the same pick as well. Um, the same runs through my head with uh, Isaiah Simmons from Clemson. Um, but I mean, taking a look at that offensive line and just what the Giants truly need, which is a, like you said, get Daniel Jones some protection and be open up some holes for what seriously can be one of the best running backs we've ever seen in the NFL. So if you start to bolster that uh, uh, offensive line, you might be able to see the New York football giants become the late two thousands, New York football giants. Yeah. We don't talk about those teams. I had them doing the, uh, you know, uh, basically a similar thing, just different tackle. I had Mackay Becton um, going there and it's just basically, you know, he's, he's a tremendous run blocker and he can step in and, and block, um, you know, on the blind side there for, for Daniel Jones. And maybe that'll, you know, free them up to, uh, you know, release their, their left tackle. I believe they got Vollmer from the Patriots and he's very, you know, very expensive. Um, so maybe you bring in a guy who can play on that, you know, that left side and um, and also open up some holes there for Shaquan Barkley. But you see this for a lot of teams where if they have their quarterback, they have their skill guys, you got to just protect the trenches. Right. And then maybe go, you know, go on the other line um, later on in the draft too, and um, you know, get somebody who can rush the passer as well. And that might help them out. Well, you know, what's interesting is before Andrew Luck retired, that seems to be exactly what the Indy Colts were doing. And, and, taking players like Quentin Nelson, who's one of the best offensive linemen in the league right now. Um, They had Anthony Costanzo blocking him on the left tackle position, who was kind of a younger uh, guy. They had, even if you want to look at Tennessee and and putting Jack Conklin and and Taylor Lewan there with Marcus Mariota, I mean, it didn't work out, but that was the thought process. So I don't see why it would be any different here for the Giants who... You know, for all the shit that they've taken over the last X amount of years for what they've done and squandering assets like Odell Beckham should probably just make a, a safe pick for a change. Just play it cool, man. Yeah. Just play it cool. No shit. So this is where things start to get interesting, boys. We've gone one through four, and now we've got Miami picking at five, and we've got the Los Angeles Chargers picking at six. Both teams in need of a quarterback, and there's two available. So having... Let, let's assume here that, uh, at least for my purposes, and I'll start this one again, um, that no trades were made here. I don't think Miami needs to trade. I think Miami is going to stay down yeah. there at five, and I think Miami is concerned 
about a few different things with Tua. Of course, the industry in injury history, rather. He's down. And Tua's down. His helmet came off. This is exactly what you did not want to see happen. He's not the biggest guy at six feet tall. So it's not as if he's got a sturdy frame and has had some bad luck. I mean, he might genuinely just be uh, a guy who who exposes himself to some extra punishments. So for, for those reasons, I think they go with the higher floor pick. And I think the Dolphins take Justin Herbert out of, out of Oregon. And there's a lot of red flags that you could assign to him too. But overall, you're getting a guy who's 6'6", composed. He's got a great arm. He's going to take some time to adjust to the NFL level. But, but you might be looking at, you know, the best overall quarterback talent here. And I think that Miami needs a little bit of stability. Yeah, and then there's no substitute for experience, right? I mean, Herbert started, what, 40, 40, 45 games, something like that at Oregon. Like, he has he has the experience. He's seen it all. He's stayed healthy, which, you know, Tua, you know, Tua can't claim. Um, so I, I would I would definitely, like, agree with that pick in terms of the, the safety of it all. I just wonder for the Dolphins, the, the, I guess they have to decide – are they in win now mode because the AFC East is is open, right? It, it seems to be as wide open as it's ever been. If they if they think that they're in in win now mode, I think Justin Herbert is, is a great pick because he's somebody that you can plug in, probably try and play right away, or still start Fitz Magic and and see what happens. But I think if they're still thinking that sort of rebuilding mode, and you want to go with the highest upside pick. Because they've been tied to Tua for a long time, Tua is the highest the highest upside pick. Um, so if they keep the picks and there's no trades involved, I actually I have the the Dolphins going for Tua and just starting starting Fitzmagic, letting him heal up for a year. I mean, Fitzy still won them five games last year, right? So they have the I think they have the ability to let Tua really heal up and then see what he can do in his in his second year. Left-handed as well. Yeah, and and and. Also, please don't forget about uh, the legendary Josh Rosen, who's also in Miami. All right. So uh, he, he's got some uh, cushioning uh, behind him as well. But I do. Uh, it's always been tank for Tua for uh, Miami. Um, and I think just in the most Miami Dolphins way, I think they will end up with Tua somehow not getting the player that they want in Justin Herbert. Um, but I think. But like you guys said, Tua has been the prospect in this draft for, uh, well, basically since everyone assumed that he was going to uh, declare for the draft. And I mean, the first time that we saw the man, he came off the bench to win a national championship with Alabama. So, I mean, I think what this guy can do is not in question but it's the health that's going to be the big question mark for him. Well, and yeah. beyond that, I mean, if you look at what's a lot of the scouts are worried about the the trajectory of previous quarterbacks, particularly left-handed quarterbacks, as I was trying to say a minute ago, uh, who come out and go that high. Like, you go back to 1990, and of all the quarterbacks selected in the first round, I believe there's like seven or eight that are left-handed. Michael Vick's the only one who has ever ever not been a bust think about a guy like Matt Liner you know it just doesn't seem to work so it just it's going to depend on the camp and how they feel Um, probably a good problem to have for both of these teams right now because Herbert realistically was was a candidate to go number one as well before 
before Joe Burrow had that year that we talked about at LSU. And who knows what Herbert might have looked like with the same caliber of receivers that Joe Burrow had, because there was two completely different leagues that they were playing in right now. The Pac-12, right? They don't recruit like the SEC does. So, um, you know, this might be a situation where either both teams win, neither team wins, or we're looking back five five years from now saying, boy, it sure would have been nice for, for Chargers fans if they had taken player X or player Y. We could even see, uh, too, I've heard a, a couple of reports slip out of the top ten. So I think I wouldn't be even too surprised to see with that injury, uh, and we've beaten this injury to death, but I, I don't think we can um, emphasize enough how, how like, first of all, gross a hip dislocation is. Um, Pitt, uh, Darren Pitta, I want to say his first name is. Um, was it Dustin? I, I, I know who you're talking about with the yeah. Ravens. He, he yeah. pop out his like three different times. Exactly. So tight end uh, for the Ravens, Pitta. I can't remember his Dennis, first name. No, it's Dennis Dennis Pitta. Dennis Pitta. There you go. There we go. Um, yeah. But I was reading a little bit on, on what that injury was like for him. A very similar, if not almost the exact same injury that Tua had uh, for himself at Alabama. Um, he said that the way that the blood ends up flowing to your femur after something like that, only about half of your femur is is getting blood. And so that kind of weakens the femur. And, and for Pitta, what ended up happening is you can take a, a, an off step and eat it. Even though that it is it is strong, it's weaker than it normally is and can pop out of place. As as uh, Spect you mentioned, uh, he dislocated it three times in his career, which is uh, the the fear for Tua. And that's I, exactly. I'm pretty right. sure the last one was a non-contact injury as well. It was just like you mentioned, just a wrong plant. Um, I mean that that's completely disgusting. You know the the, the detail that you went into um, on that is shocking. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, you know, and that's that's definitely something. And I I, I think teams too, because from what I've read, it's tough with the COVID situation where you cannot have your own doctors go in and examine him, and you don't know how strong that hip is. And um, yeah, the, I think. You know what? There, you know, the more I do think about it, there is a, a free fall kind of situation here um, as well. And because you're FaceTiming too, um, I mean, you guys come across it incredibly charming on FaceTime. But from what teams have mentioned, you know, people, you know, those natural leaders, maybe their their charm doesn't also show through. And you know, the reason that people will follow this guy is it's hard to get that when you're not in the room with him. Um, I still have him going in that top five. I just think that there's too much, too much potential there um, to let him go. But I understand. I understand the concerns. I, the the only other thing I want to add to this is because we've talked so much about that hip injury and Brett, you're exactly right on that. You know, five years down the road is what teams are worried about. It's the second contract with Tua where you're worried about that hip becoming an issue because of that, you know, deadened bone tissue essentially. But it's beyond that. He's had two ankle surgeries. He's had a hand surgery. Um, and I believe oh, maybe that, that might be it, but there's, you know, it's just, it's been a lot. It's been a lot for him. It's, and then the, the most gruesome of them all was that hip. So, so with that being said, uh, pick six for me, I, this goes one, two. I think he will be the face of the Chargers organization. Uh, but I don't think the Chargers have to trade up to get that done. I think that they can sit at six and that Tua will trickle to them there. Um, 
seven is where things sort of get really wide open again, guys. And, and there was really two options left here uh, that I saw for the Carolina Panthers picking at seven. And that is they could go defensive line and take big Derek Brown out of Auburn or because Isaiah Simmons, the dynamic linebacker, has slipped here. Maybe they fill that gap left by Luke Keekley's early retirement. So, Brett, we'll start with you. Where did you have Carolina going at seven? So before we uh, started, I was mentioning uh, to Brendan that I have this guy slated or I have the Panthers taking the same guy in all four of my uh, versions of my mock draft. So I'm pretty locked in with uh, the Panthers taking Isaiah Simmons. Without it being Simmons out there, that's a walk-in touchdown because most guys don't have that kind of quickness. Um, From Clemson, I think... uh, you know, with the loss, like uh, Brendan said, of a guy like Luke Keekley, uh, you're going to – the shoes are, are humongous for somebody to come in and fill. But uh, I think having a younger guy, you're showing that you have the confidence in him, uh, picking him at number seven and uh, the first linebacker in this draft too. So I think – or I guess um, kind of the second behind Chase Young. But uh, I have um, – uh, as a Simmons going here. Yeah, I, w- I would agree with that. I mean, you, th- there's such a massive hole there. It's very, you know, very rare for teams outside of the, the quarterback position to, to go into a draft and you, you basically know what they're going to do because they lost a, literally a franchise icon, right? Like how, how often does that happen? Especially on the defensive side of the ball, a, a team leader, you know, all heart and soul kind of guy. Like it's really, it's going to suck to not see Luke Keekley on the field. Um, but you really can't do much better to replace him, at least in this year's draft than Isaiah Simmons, just, you know, with the versatility, you know, he can play on all three downs. He's incredibly athletic. I think that's a way to start, you know, rebuilding your defense. And the thing about Simmons is that he unlocks so much for your defensive coordinator. And I think that Luke Keekley and his tenure in Carolina in all likelihood taught that organization the value of having a high-functioning linebacker like that. So I think they'll, they'll move immediately here to fill that gap. And I think they'll pounce on Isaiah Simmons. But... You know, when you when you read the draft, uh, the the profile that he's this sort of hybrid linebacker safety, I don't think of that as being a 6'4", 240 player, um, but he is. And he's got that with sideline to sideline speed. So not only can you get him going downfield and making these plays, he can also play in coverage as well. So I think that he'll fill a huge need for Carolina. I think they will have to pass on Derek Brown, but that's going to mean an opportunity for somebody to trade up, at least in my mock, fellas. Uh, but that's coming up in a couple of minutes here. So we're at Arizona with pick number eight. Uh, and this this one's been, at least from what I've read, one where we could definitely see Arizona trade down. Um, they were looking wide receiver, and then they acquired DeAndre Hopkins for the cost of an airline ticket for him. And, uh, and now they don't need to do that anymore. So, Speck, we'll start with you. What does Arizona do, or are they even picking at eight? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think that if they do, if they do end up picking, I think they're going to more so go on the defensive side of the ball. And I do think Derek Brown is, is kind of something that, that they would want to look at here in this spot, um, just to shore up your defensive line. And, and it's like I mentioned earlier, just in terms of, you know, teams, once you have all your, your weapons kind of, kind of short up, I, I love when teams go in the trenches cause that's where football games are kind of won and lost. So I, I would have them 
uh, taking Derek Brown um, out of Auburn. And it, it's so funny with, with defensive players because people put, you know, such a premium on, on quarterbacks and you could be getting a top five talent in the draft you know, one of the best players in the draft, just at a, a position that people don't put a premium on. Um, so that's where I have the Cardinals going here. See, and uh, I have a lineman as well, but on the other side, I have an offensive lineman going for the Cardinals. Um, I have them picking Jedrick Wills, um, who's an offensive tackle from Alabama. I have him getting picked here uh, because I was honestly, I'm not going to lie. I was looking at, who was available at that spot, who was the shortest um, for the Cardinals offensive line for their short quarterback, um, uh, Kyler Murray. I think it just kind of, you know, falls into place for the Cardinals. I think they just, they have to protect them. They have, as you mentioned, Brendan, they ended up picking up one of the best receivers in the league, if not the best receiver in the league in uh, DeAndre Hopkins. And I mean, the only way that you're going to build off that is, you know, buying your quarterback some time. And I think uh, that's the best case scenario that the Cardinals could uh, possibly be at at number eight. And I have them doing the exact same thing. I, I think it makes too much sense. You get, uh, I, I really believe that amongst NFL GMs, uh, that there is sort of an allure to Alabama players, maybe not in a year like this so much because Alabama wasn't the usual powerhouse, but, but Jedrick Wills out of that program, he's, he's very athletic for a guy at six four three fifteen, and he's a former basketball player. So what that does is it helps, uh, it helps footwork big time. So if you mix that with sort of a, an angry, uh, you know, disposition an angry, uh, uh, temperament, if you will, which some reports say that Wills has, then I think you do have the make, of a franchise left tackle so it, it makes too much sense especially as you said how diminutive Kyler Murray is uh, despite his athleticism they got to have somebody who can get out there and help block too when he's out of the pocket so there you go um, that brings us to number nine and Jacksonville is picking here and Jacksonville can we just talk for a minute about this team guys because they they nearly surmounted a, a, a ridiculous Cinderella playoff run a couple of years ago um, quarterback has perpetually been the issue but they had a nasty they had like the best defense in the league and it lasted about two seasons before they blew it up so uh, can we offer some insight we'll start with you spec on to what in the fuck happened in Jacksonville over the last couple of years after it looked like they had turned the corner yeah it's funny because I uh I, someone was making a joke on a podcast that they were going to make a 30 for 30 on Houston and all the, uh, you know, all the bullshit that they've kind of pulled, um, trading away all their players. But I think the, you know, the first part of that 30 for 30 has to be the Jacksonville Jaguars and just the complete meltdown. And I don't like it. It started with Tom Coughlin and just his old mentality and just kind of pissing everybody off. Um, and you know, there's, there's something, um, who was, who was it? The NBA coach, I think it might've been, um, Phil Jackson, um, called it the, uh, the disease of more, right? Once you taste a little bit of success, everybody feels like their part in the success, you know, they want more, even though they were a minor part, you know, if they were, you know, backup linebacker, whatever it was, everyone feels responsible for the success. So you saw that with Jalen Ramsey going out always talking, I'm the best cornerback in the league. Nobody can, you know, shut me down, all that kind of stuff, right? They got it in their heads that they were champions before they were even champions just because they made it to an AFC championship game and melted the fuck down, right? Um, 
yeah, so I just think that that disease of more got in them. They felt entitled to winning that next championship, and then they were psychologically broken. And then having somebody like Tom Coughlin in there with his old-school mentality. I mean, people forget he almost got fired in New York before sort of relaxing and then getting the most out of those teams and, and winning Super Bowls. Um, but, yeah, I just think that um, something happened to that psyche, and it, it just imploded. Well, you got to wonder because Jalen Ramsey had been such a, an outspoken member of all that and so young. And if that's if that's your voice in the locker room, then you're right. That was not what they needed. And now the, the Rams have acquired, you know, a kid dripping in talent. But I, I haven't seen anything in the media, at least portrayed like he has any sort of maturity. So, you know, with what he's going to be demanding contract wise, I think the Jags are maybe better off without him in that sense. Um, but with that being said, I think that they need to turn around right here and draft his replacement and that's why they go with Florida's C.J. Henderson. Overthrown and picked off again. This is C.J. Henderson back to back interception return touchdowns for the Gators. Who ticks a lot of the boxes as far as getting another franchise corner back in that scenario. 61204 kind of your prototypical corner uh great athleticism as well so he's his draft stock is has risen and i'm wondering if you guys maybe have them doing the same thing in that spot and we'll start with brett actually i just want to qu- quickly touch on too with uh the jaguars that we have not talked about as well is uh that offense too when they were good i guess um under center they had blake bortles who is a 30 year old frat boy um, and you have an egotistic running back in Leonard from Ned who might see his way out of Jacksonville, uh, by the time that the, the Jaguars trade their ninth overall pick, which is where I'm going here. I have the Jaguars trading the number nine pick to, uh, the 17 spot where the Dallas Cowboys are sitting. Uh, I read a lot that, uh, Jerry Jones might be, uh, thinking of doing something a little exotic here. Um, you know, it's, it's always has to be the Jerry Jones show. It always has to be about him. And I think with how weird this draft is going to be to begin with, I think he wants to put his name on it. So I think he jumps to number nine and addresses his defensive need, uh, on the edge. And I think they pick, uh, LSU's Clavon chase on to hand off on second and 10 P Ryan's going to be swarmed and dropped behind the line, but Caleb on Chase on the best pass rusher who's back healthy now off an ankle injury. Well, that's an interesting nice. one. I have Chase on going in that round, uh, but later he he's a polarizing one. He's he's one where I feel like maybe because he's an LSU guy uh, that people are a little bit apprehensive about what he can do as an edge rusher. Was he a product of that program? Um, but you know that, like you said, Jerry is. <laughs> Jerry has no problem making it the Jerry show, uh, but look how that went when they drafted Taco Charlton in the first round, right? Just taking these guys with maybe a buzzier name value that doesn't uh, that doesn't always pan out. So, but that's an interesting one. I where where are you where are you with the Jaguars at nine spec? Um, I've got them going O line. I just I know from uh, from last year. I mean their their offensive line was complete complete dog shit. I mean that's part of the reason why it didn't work out with Nick Foles and that they had to switch to Gardner Minshew because Gardner Minshew at least was mobile and he could you know avoid the rush. But I mean that's a you know and similar with Arizona right like 
just because you have a mobile quarterback does not mean that you still you can't shore up your line. You still need to protect the guy, especially a smaller guy. And, you know, Minshew is not a track star by any means. Um, so I have them going with uh, with Andrew Thomas um, out of Georgia. And, you know, first of all, too, like, do we even know if Gardner Minshew is good? Like, I don't I don't understand what they're doing, putting all their faith in that guy, you know, uh, a sixth round pick who really didn't win them too many games. Um, but, yeah, I, I think with a guy like Thomas, just another, you know, six foot five, 320 pound big boy, just try and get him some protection and, and see if Minshew's your guy. A lot of talk, too, that uh, Andrew Thomas is going to be the first uh, offensive lineman off the board, too. So um, I think that's a huge uh, value pick for for the Jaguars if they do end up getting uh, Andrew Thomas. It's funny because they had some pieces on that offensive line. Again, it looked like it looked like right across the board on that team. If everybody kept their shit together and their mouths shut, they were moving in a great direction. And. And ultimately not. That's the first one where I think all three of us has had a different pick. And that might speak to exactly how many holes Jacksonville really has to fill. Um, Now, 10 gentlemen is where I have our first splashy trade, at least on my list. Because, you know, for the Browns, what are we focusing on here if you're the Cleveland Browns? I think they've got... don't necessarily need to pick at 10 here. I think that what they're going to end up getting, I've heard that they've got love for, for somebody that's not necessarily mocked to everybody's first round. Uh, so for that reason, I think that they can acquire a couple assets. And I think that Atlanta is the team that is on my list, eyeballing big Derek Brown there to clog up the middle. I think that they would like to be able to pair him with Grady Jarrett uh, and, and see what, see what they can do on that defensive line. Right. I mean, you guys already talked about how important the trenches are. Um, Grady Jarrett's coming out party was that Super Bowl that they ultimately lost to your Patriots back then. Uh, and I think that again, they see the value that, that having a big mauler on, on that uh, in the trenches will have so so i see them jumping up from 16 to 10 in a trade with cleveland and taking uh, Derek brown well it looked like there was a little bit of a hole but just as quickly as it was there it was gone Derek brown steps in to hit tim jordan and i actually have the same deal i think well not the same deal i think the browns will end up trading uh that number 10 overall pick but i don't have the falcons slipping in there i have the broncos coming in and uh, getting their wide receiver. I think uh, around here is where the receiver run will start. Um, You know, you have the team, you have teams like the Jets, like the Raiders, like the Niners who are, you know, looking for a receiver or or at least least been in the media uh, looking for a receiver. And I think the Broncos are going to be able to pair up uh, Cortland Sutton with uh, Oklahoma's C.D. Lamb. Goes through his progressions, throws off his back foot. C.D. Lamb at the 40. He's got breakaway speed. C.D. Lamb, 71 yards, touchdown OU. I think he'll compliment um, Sutton very well and, uh, you know, give the Broncos some options too offensively. Um, you know, they just signed Melvin Gordon as well. Uh, Philip Lindsay is also in that backfield too. So I think uh, uh, the Broncos are going to start to stack up offensively and really look at those uh, uh, weapons for them. And 
that's why I think they'll uh, trade up to number 10. Well, you'd better put some weapons around Drew Locke if that's your your second-year quarterback that you're turning the keys to the kingdom over to. And and, and that contract for Melvin Gordon, by the way, I really don't understand that. But uh, expect what do you think, because that's an interesting claim by Brett that, that somebody might try and leapfrog the Jets at 11 to start their run on wide receivers. Where, what do you think about that? Yeah, I, I definitely see the the run on on wide receivers happening um, right there. Um, but I, I do see, uh, you know, with Cleveland, it's so hard because they're another team that needs an O-lineman. Um, I mean, you know, Baker Mayfield was sacked 41 times last year. Uh, and I don't know if that's a result of, you know, the kitchen's offense or whatever. But just in terms of kind of, you know, how I ended up running my mock, there's not a ton there. Um, so yeah, I, I agree actually, honestly, with, um, with kind of the, the trade speculation, you know, you guys have kind of talked me into it because the way I ran my, my mock, I didn't really account for, for, uh, trades in this area. Um, but yeah, I would, I would probably have, yeah. Um, the, the Broncos jumping up. I think every, every draft that I've seen, every mock draft that I've seen it, it has the Broncos going for, for Henry Ruggs. Who's got plenty of daylight? First play of the game. How many times have you seen this? Seventy-five yards. Apparently, they they just absolutely love the kid. Yeah, I would agree with uh, with a pick swap there. Cleveland going a bit back and and trying to to fortify that offensive line um, a little bit later. And that makes a lot of sense, you guys, because when I had them trading down, it was to that 16 spot with Atlanta, and it was to pick Ezra Cleveland out of Boise State, who's an offensive tackle who's had his stock rise, you know, perhaps more than anybody on the offensive line since the season ended. Um, they like his athleticism. I think he tested really well at the combine, which happened to uh, to propel that status a bit. So I think Cleveland's happy fortifying that offensive line, as you mentioned, that they need to, but they don't necessarily need to do that where they were. Um, um, but but Henry Ruggs is an interesting one because I feel like, you know, he's got all the speed to burn in the world. He might not be the most complete wide receiver. I think if you went back to September, Jerry Judy would be a lot of people's number one. Now, to me, he's probably third or fourth on this list. Um, but the wide receiver, I'll, I'll say the Jets. I don't have the Jets taking a receiver. I think that's where Makai Becton goes. I think that they want to keep Sam Darnold upright. Um so for that reason, we'll we'll jump over number eleven. But but Las Vegas, San Francisco, uh, and you could even say you know what Jets Jets Raiders 49ers from eleven twelve thirteen. That's where most of these wide receivers are going to go, right? So, uh, but the one that I'm I'm interested in is, is to the Raiders with C.D. Lamb out of Oklahoma. Um, because that, that that seems to be the most logical fit. I've heard that Mayock really loves him, and again, all all around wide receiver for whomever ends up taking the reins of this as the quarterback uh, beyond next year. Because I don't think it's Carr or Mariota. For the Raiders, I have Jerry Judy over the middle to Judy. There he goes. Jerry Judy hits a home run for an Alabama touchdown. I think uh, Jerry Judy kind of fits the mold of a Raiders. Uh, wide out i think uh just speaking of the the two quarterbacks that you have for the raiders uh Carr and mariota i think judy just kind of fits uh the mold for the raiders and mayock a little more than uh where henry ruggs would be uh in my draft um is the only other one of those three receivers left so i think jerry judy goes number 12 to the las vegas raiders 
Yeah, I had I agree with Esco here. I had C.D. Lamb, and just in in terms of a guy, you know, with with ball skills, you know, body control, and then that that straight line speed. I think that this is a this is a Gruden guy. You know, he's a Gruden he's a Gruden grinder. You know, he can make those those big flashy physical plays downfield. Um, I think it's something that they they desperately need in their their lineup. And just imagine this kid, you know, and then paired up with. Uh, with Waller um, at tight end. And then what they've got going with Jacobs at the running back position, like they, they have the, they would have the look of a, of a physical explosive offense. That is what Gruden is trying to build over the next 10 years and a hundred million dollars in his pocket, which would be fun for a, for a new franchise in the big, beautiful stadium they'll have in Las Vegas. Assuming we get to see any football in the near future, uh, keeping the optimism open for that. Um, we'll stop going pick by pick here. I just definitely wanted to get to that run on wide receivers so mm-hmm. for me I, I've got rugs going to San Francisco I can't see San Francisco doing anything but trying to pair somebody with Debo Samuel out there for for Jimmy G to have as an option um, Emmanuel Sanders was great but he's 33 years old I think by the time next year starts so uh, they'll look to add a little bit of depth there because the kid out of Washington that they had uh, Pettis he, he didn't yep. he didn't look as legit as I think they hoped last year. So um, but that brings us to 14. And I want to I want to talk about the Buccaneers pick here, Spec, because I've got them yeah. doing anything that they can to protect Tom Brady, 40 plus year old Tom yeah. Brady. Uh, so this is where I have Andrew Thomas going. Is that a fair pick? Yeah, I think that that's that's more than fair because um, they, they have everything else in place there. Like that defense was number five in the league. Um, you know, they, they've got the wide receivers there for him. They've got the tight end in, in OJ Howard, um, decent running game, but you can get a running back in the, you know, third, fourth round to, to pair with Brady. So yeah, it's, it's gotta be, it's gotta be an offensive, uh, offensive lineman. Um, you know, I, I had Thomas going, uh, going earlier, but I think that if, yeah, if he fell there to Tampa Bay, that's the, that's the perfect pick. Um, and they, they would be another team just the way that my mock kind of rolled out that, I would have them trading back, but still going offensive tackle to to try and find somebody to to protect Brady. Yeah, my I, I run on the same tracks as you guys. I have uh, Josh Jones from Houston going there. Um, as you mentioned, Thomas, I have going to the Jets uh, to protect Arnold. Um, although I would have loved to see Judy the Jet, I think that would have been terrific marketing. Um, but uh, no, I think I think since Thomas is already a Jet at this point in the draft, I think they go uh, JJ Josh Jones from Houston. Yeah, and I've got. Uh I've got Miami landing him a little bit later on in this first round with one of their, what they, I think they had three picks by the time it was said and done or certainly two. Uh, no, it was three in the first round this year. So they, I had them taking Josh Jones, but uh, we'll start fast tracking this a little bit here, fellas uh, to maybe more, more of the exciting buzzier players. Justin Jefferson was absolutely incredible for Joe Burrow at LSU as a wide receiver this year. Um, and we know how desperate Philly is for some help at that position. Nelson Aguilar is, is the brunt of, many a joke at this point Deshaun Jackson is old <laughs> as sin so so I yeah. think that they will in the first round replace him um I I don't see them being as aggressive as to spend capital to move up because I think that with Jefferson they'd be getting like the gap wouldn't be so wide that they need to trade assets to move into that 12 13 14 range um, but I've also heard how in love they are with a guy like CD Lamb and and why wouldn't they be so it might be a game of cat and mouse you see be- between some of the the 
GMs with maybe more of an advantageous position like that of a Mayock, like that of of whoever runs, you know, the San Francisco 49ers picking at 13 and 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 grabbing Philadelphia by the balls a little bit and saying, if you want one of these upper echelon guys, fine. But I don't think that Philly needs to. So I have them picking at 21, Justin Jefferson. And I'd like to start, Brett, with you and, and, and wondering what Philly did. So I I do actually have them trading up, but not by much. As you mentioned, they are sitting at 21. Uh, I have them just skipping uh, over one spot uh, and jumping into the 19th spot um, with making a trade with the Raiders. I think that they will draft Justin Jefferson. Um, I think at the time where they're sitting, he will be the best option. And I think they're also kind of going to feel the heat from a team like the Packers who might be looking at a receiver, a team like the Vikings who might be looking at a receiver, Um, you know, some other teams who uh, might not be in the first round um, who might be looking at a receiver as well. So I think that uh, the Eagles are desperate enough and might feel enough of the heat that they might end up uh, trading up to pick uh, a a wideout and specifically Justin Jefferson. Yeah, I, I have them going wide out too, and um, I think I have the, like I have them picking Justin Jefferson as well. But I think an interesting option for them, just so that we're not all you know uh, in the same echo chamber here. I, I think that T Higgins is an interesting option for them as well, um, and just because of that that big body, six foot four, you know, good leaping ability, body control, basically everything the Patriots thought they were getting in Nikhil Harry um, last year that didn't pan out. Um, and I know these guys, you know, where maybe they don't have the the foot speed that you're looking for. It takes a while for them um, in the NFL to, you know, get that grown man strength. But I just know they had a lot of success with a guy like Alshon Jeffrey, who's just a, a big boy. Um, so that's another intriguing option for them as well. Yeah, and I've seen him comp to a guy like A.J. Green. So if you can find yourself some sort of a a rendition of A.J. Green, now keeping in mind that that's exactly what Miami thought Devontae Parker was going to be. So there's there's plenty of evidence to prove that there's there's a lot of risk as well. But but I I can see the case for T. Higgins. I I think that there's a chance that Green Bay makes the same argument at pick 30. Um, But that's where I have Denzel Mims going if you want to stay on the wide receiver train. And Mims is a another guy whose athleticism has really shone since the season ended uh, a kid out of Baylor um, is somebody that I thought the Texans were going to take a run at in acquiring the number 40 overall pick. I think that would have made a lot of sense before they got Brandon cooks uh, for a lot of the same reasons that you just highlighted with T Higgins. And that would have been another fit, but you know, for the Packers at, uh, at 30, I think they go wide receiver as well. Um, but let's not get too far ahead of ourselves because at 23 spec are your Patriots. I think they're going edge rusher here, but I'd like you to start this one off. Um, I have them. So if they don't trade the pick, because I really think that they're I, I made the pick for them here um, and I have them going linebacker uh, here with, with uh, Kenneth Murray, um, just, you know, you know, with the losses um, that they sustained, losing Jamie Collins, uh, Kyle Van Noy. I mean, Kyle Van Noy was kind of that hybrid where he would play that that kind of edge rush um, position as well. And then also um, their weak side linebacker. Um but yeah, I think a guy like like Kenneth Murray, just incredibly versatile, great tackler, great fundamentals. Um, that, that's that's where I see them going if they keep the pick. 
a lot of talk uh, with the Patriots too. Well, at least in in a lot of mock drafts, um, that they might be looking at a quarterback, and uh, specifically Jordan Love from Utah State. Uh, interested to see what you think about that. Um, but I'll just uh, mention who I think they'll pick. Uh, I assume Brendan, we have uh, similar picks here. Uh, I have AJ Epinesa from uh, Iowa. Uh, good old Hawkeye. Um, I think that uh, his athleticism and just the dude's body is it's chiseled out of uh, like a Samoan God. This dude looks like, so um, if, if he's not a Patriot by the end of Thursday evening, I will be a shocked and uh, B, I think um, I might be getting his jersey because he's just a fucking cool dude. Yeah, and you you hit it exactly. That's exactly who I had. The Patriots taking at twenty three is AJ Epinesa or Epinesa. He he he's been described as somebody who's built to play for the Patriots, and and to me, and I think you'll echo this sentiment, Spec. Like that has less to do with on field and more to do with character and work ethic. And that's two words that have been used to describe this kid out of Iowa. He doesn't necessarily win with great athleticism. It's it, it's it's hard work, strength, and and as this one scout, I'm. Really reading here says good hand use as well so so I I do have them going edge rusher um but but I understand the importance like I said with Simmons to to Carolina of that kind of you know stalwart linebacker so I can see the case to be made there as well and Kenneth Murray would be a great pick um how do you guys feel about Patrick Queen out of LSU I don't know how familiar you guys are with him I have him going uh next number 24 to New Orleans and that is ahead of Kenneth Murray but I just there's something for me to be said about winning teaching guys how to win and I felt like if, if Queen was considered a leader on a program like what LSU put together last year that the Saints would be uh you know maybe their first hired gun at linebacker since Jonathan Vilma what do you think about that spec um yeah he he seems like he seems like the the perfect saint um and especially i mean he you know he's got experience down there in uh, in louisiana already um but just another you know speedy you know um physical you know versatile kind of guy and you know when when the saints you know that when they won that super bowl um with drew Brees, and they had that you know just incredibly quick uh you know opportunistic um type defense um i think patrick queen kind of really fits in um, you know, with that style that, that they always look for on defense, you know, minus the bounties. Oh, wow. <laughs> we got two of those in there. We slid two of those in there. I like that. Um, so, so we're up, uh, into the final six or so picks here, guys. Uh, I think just given our proximity, at least on the West side here, uh, Seattle Seahawks, the, I have them going defensive line. Anyone disagree on that? No, no. Yeah, that seems like a big, big area of need that. I mean, this is where I had uh, had Epinesa going um, to the Seahawks. And I've got uh, Yeter Gross Matos out of Penn State. Is is that the same pick you went, Brett? Uh, I had Gross Matos going to uh, the Seahawks in past drafts. Um, I think the Vikings uh, need... Um, after wideout is an edge rusher. So I think uh, they end up taking him at 25, but a name that kind of dropped on my list um, that kind of falls right into the Seahawks lap is uh, Javon Kinlaw um, from South Carolina. Good old Gamecock. 
Um, I think uh, the Seahawks are pretty proud to uh, pick him up at uh, 27. You know, it, it, obviously, I guess their need is that defensive line. Um, everyone that you guys have, have mentioned so far addresses that need and honestly addresses that need in a very A, athletic and B, um, competitive way. And I think, um, I, I think Javon Kenlaw at the time will be um, the most appealing prospect for uh, the Seahawks. And I think uh, they're going to be uh, pretty proud to pick him up there. Well, I think just to bolster the argument you're making, I had him going to Jacksonville at 20 uh, for a lot of those same reasons, right? So Jacksonville's got those holes left by a guy like uh, Clayus Campbell's not there anymore, right? I gotta just, yeah, that's what I thought. Okay, okay. <laughs> just making sure. Um, yeah, so, you know, we're, we're into the late stages of the first round here. Uh, this is where picks start to get, you know, this is, Spec, this is your wheelhouse, man. Your team is picking in this range year after year after year. Year, sort of the uh, between 28 and 32. Um, this is where we see Baltimore, Tennessee, Green Bay, San Francisco, Kansas City, right? So these are the teams that have less of a direct need. Um, Baltimore, I've seen a real range of, of picks here. It could be a running back like Jonathan Taylor. This is where I have them taking Kenneth Murray because that's an organization that's always prioritized defense first. Uh, but Speck, do you, who do you have mocked to Baltimore at 28? Um, I've got them taking, uh, I've got them going uh, cornerback um, here. And I wanted to get your guys just opinion here too on, on Christian Fulton. Um, you know, this is a team where, you know, their, their secondary was, you know, was incredible last year. And I think, you know, he's just someone who can, who can add to it. I think the Patriots have kind of shown that um, in the modern NFL, you can never have too many corners. And Christian Fulton has all the goddamn talent in the world. Um, he's a guy with some character issues with the, which the Ravens, you know, have never had a problem bringing into their organization. Um, and I think that he can kind of bring that dog and kind of fuck you attitude that the, the Ravens are looking for. That's an interesting he, one. He's because- a dog. You know, like I'm looking at a mock here and he's an LSU player as well. So so we'll we'll start with that and just say that that winning mentality and having that season and having that confidence and getting to play in that environment. I, I really believe that does a lot for players. Um, I, don't, I don't necessarily know that he's going to be your franchise cornerback, but it looks like he's going to be a hell of a player for you in the slot. Uh, somebody like I'm looking at the comparison here to AJ Bouye and I know how important he was for the Houston Texans and, and, and earned a, a sizable contract with Jacksonville. Um, and they've got, uh, again, at this mock right here, Fulton at pick 20 mock to replace AJ Bouye in Jacksonville. So there you go. Uh, nothing wrong with that pick. I can see him going in the first round, although I did not have him going in the first round in mine. Brett, what do you think? Uh, I have Christian Fulton actually going to the Jags as well. Um, uh, a rangy cornerback to uh, you guys have, have kind of hit everything I wanted to talk about on Fulton on the head. So I won't say too much, but uh, yeah, again, I, I have him going to the Jags um, rangy, rangy cornerback and, uh, you know, proven winner. So, uh, you know, can't say much else on him. One player that we haven't discussed who's been incredibly polarizing and Specht has even been mocked in some circles to New England is Jordan Love, the quarterback out of uh, Utah State. And you hear Utah State and you think, 
really that's not necessarily a quarterback factory but that's sort of what made him stand out is the fact that that Jordan Love had absolutely no surrounding cast it looks like he's got plenty of arm talent but for me you know reason to believe that Jamarcus Russell comparison that you were saying right off the top spec um, when you've got a guy who has all the athleticism in the world but maybe not coming out of one of those programs that teaches you how to play NFL football so Brett did you have him sneaking into the first round so actually in most of my my mocks I did actually even have the Patriots picking him at uh, number 23 um I also have seen quite often his name pop up with the Saints too um but I think a lot of that came before Taysom Hill having to return to uh the Saints with his uh contract uh, issue or his contract situation I guess so I, I don't have him slipping into the draft or the first round, at least um, in my final mock draft. But I think it's going to be interesting to see where Jordan Love does end up, because like you said, there are quite a few teams that that could lock into a guy like Love because of what he was able to do at Utah State. Um, but I think for the Patriots there's just there's something about him uh that I think the Patriots just don't like yeah and I can tell you what that is um when you look at somebody's uh you know um trait sheet and their worst trait is uh decision making um that's not going to be a a New England Patriots quarterback I I just don't see it um I, I see them if they are going quarterback it'll be later um, in the draft. And I love a guy like Jake Fromm. Um, I, I really do. I, you know, I've kind of followed this kid, you know, watching him on uh, QB one beyond the lights from high school, um, you know, all the way throughout his, uh, his college career. He's a winner. He's got, you know, decent arm talent, uh, but makes tremendous decisions. That's a guy more up their alley. I just, I know that with the Pats, they are looking for a more versatile quarterback, someone who can scramble, someone who can um, avoid the rush. And that that is a strength of Jordan Loves. But I just a guy, a guy who throw picks, who throws picks like that. I just don't see him working in uh, in a Josh McDaniel system. Well, and here's the problem for me, guys, is uh, one of the one of the marquee things that I've read about him is is, quote unquote, look at his body language on the field. That's not a Patriot. That that is not a patriot, man. Unless you are one hundred percent bought into the the emotional aspect and, and the 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 non gameplay aspect, you're not going to float there. Uh, and that's an outsider's perspective. So I don't I don't see that fit for Jordan Love. Um, but maybe for a team like say Indianapolis in the second or third round, if he ends up uh, going that far, you know, Philip Rivers is not your franchise quarterback. So if they if they like enough of what they see out of Jordan Love, perhaps that's perhaps that's the route uh, that they take. Um, let's quickly close out the the first round here guys we'll touch about you know poppy and and myself did not have our teams picking in that first round instead my texans pick at 40 and the bears pick at 43 uh so i we'll we'll talk about in a whole nother episode why that's the fucking case Um, the texans don't picks till what 2022 i think at this point yeah exactly and we still don't have tunsil under contract by the way (laughs) um Let's start with the Bears at 43, Brad. I mean, what's your what's your ideal pick in this situation? What is their need and where do you think that they go? Have you have you sort of thought about this yet? Uh, I have. I've, I've thought about this a lot, actually. And they 
so the thing about the Bears is that they have two picks, two draft picks in the first, I think, 160 picks of the draft. Um, and, uh, you know, the Bears are a team that has needs, has obvious needs. Uh, they need an impact player. Um, I don't think they need somebody who's who's going to, you know, round out or, or you know, kind of gain some depth in a position. I think they're going to look for somebody who has impact, has oomph to them, um, whether that's hopefully maybe a, a Denzel Mims, I'm hoping, um, might be able to fall there, uh, a wide out like that. Uh, maybe a T Higgins falls there. Um, and they're also looking at a, uh, a, the secondary too, a cornerback, maybe hopefully a guy like, uh, Xavier McKinney falls down, uh, towards there. Um, you know, it depends. Uh, Gladney might fall down there too. Um, so I think, um, you're looking for kind of a smaller impact player, um, especially on, uh, towards the hash marks. So I'm looking uh, wide out or uh, secondary here. They'll definitely have a couple options there. Um, you know, and the secondary was so good for them that a guy like Grant Delpit uh, going in that range. And then we haven't even talked about Jalen Johnson, quarterback out of Utah as well, somebody that they could be looking at. Um, seeing a mock here where they're going interior offensive linemen. Um, so it seems like the Bears have a lot in front of them. I know that, like, can we can we revisit this quarterback conversation again? I mean, Jalen Hurts is a guy that I've heard you off air talk about wanting bad for the Chicago Bears. Hurts with a straight drop, takes his eyes down, takes off Jalen Hurts. This is what he does best, just like that touchdown Oklahoma. I don't think Nick Foles is the long-term answer, and I don't think the Bears think that Mitch Trubisky is the long-term answer. So, you know, Hurts is probably not a quarterback in the long term of his NFL career, but I, but explain your reasoning behind that. I think Jalen Hurts is one of those quarterbacks who's able, who's going to be able to uh, use his his football IQ and use his athleticism and just his talent to be able to have a at least a decent career in the NFL. Um, you know, something that I mentioned before with Jalen Hurts and something that his teammates really hammer along with Jalen Hurts is that he's a team first guy and he's always wanting to learn more. Um, you know, I guess when I say team first, that doesn't really sound like a guy who would transfer from a top uh, program to Oklahoma. But, uh, you know, I think just the drive that this guy has to succeed and, you know, being able to see players like a Khalil Mack around him, uh, players who have done it before and a Jimmy Graham around him. I think being able to see that and well, fuck Nick Foles will be fucking teaching him how to play in the pros. I think will be a little bit of a stepping stone for him. And if we haven't already talked about, um, you know, incomplete quarterbacks and Mitch Trubisky and, and already in this draft, um, we'll talk about them again. It's back and the I, time, I, I love, yeah, I think with Jalen hurts and I, I completely, I get the idea that, he might not be a long-term quarterback, but I, I think one thing to key on key in on here really is his accuracy. And I mean, anybody who, uh, who completes 69 nice uh, percent of their passes at the college level 
Um, that's somebody that you can work with and somebody that you can mold, um, you know, at the NFL level. And I, I think more coaches and especially a coach like Matt Nagy, who he's an outside the box thinker, you know, he's got a pretty dynamic offense that would be perfect for Hertz. Um, if they, if they bring him in, all they have to work on is just kind of that under pressure, um, which we'll see. I, I don't know if that's a trait that, that you can necessarily teach, but I know that that's where he's kind of struggled in his career kind of when the pressure has been on him and when he's been expected to kind of put the boys on his back and, and lead them to the promised land. Um, so, but I, I do think he's, he's accurate. He's athletic. Um, he's everything that the modern NFL quarterback is going to be for the next 20 years. Um, but he, he definitely needs to be refined, but I think Chicago is a good place for, for him to go as good as any. Pretty well outside of the first couple of quarterbacks off the board. It, it, it's just like finding your flaw that you're going to live with. And, and, you know, with Hertz and the, and the caliber of programs that he's played at, I like that pick a lot. Um, Texans picking at 40. This is going to be a weird one. This should have been an, a, a wide receiver, and we shouldn't have had Brandon Cooks on this team. This should have been a Denzel Mims. This should have been a T. Higgins. This should have been the next DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, but it's not. And so because there's a hole on the interior defensive line, they're going to take a boring play. Player. I'd like that boring player to be Canadian. I'd like them to go Neville Gallimore out of Oklahoma. Um, I think he's the exact kind of run stopper they're going to try and replace. I, I have been trying to rack my brain. They re-signed Brandon Dunn, but they let somebody go off of that offensive line that was a, a real contributor, or defensive line, excuse me. Um, so in order to get the most out of a guy like Whitney Merciless, to, to get the most out of a J.J. Watt uh, and whatever edge rusher they figure out to, to fill the place of Jadavian Clowney, they're going to need a little help on the inside of that line so I'm going to mock uh, Neville Gallimore to my Houston Texans there. And with that, fellas, uh, I think we should probably wrap this one up. But here's the thing is we're planning on opening up a couple of cold adult beverages. And on Thursday, we're going to go live on Instagram and uh, sort of just have some fun with the draft on the TV in the background and going through what we had mocked. So, Spec, open invite to you on that, my friend. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us because uh, this was an absolute blast. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. And, and just one final note, um, for my mock, I had the Texans actually trading their second rounder to the Jets uh, for Le'Veon Bell in a uh, washing machine. Um, so we're going to see how that pans out. I know that they've been in need of a, a washing machine uh, to yeah. you know get that cold water on the uniform. So we'll see. And you can never have too many good uh, 30-year-old running backs as far as I've learned. So uh, yeah, thanks a lot, uh, boys. 100%. Thank you. Thank you for that. Uh, I hope that you retained none of Bell's money in that contract because we wouldn't have wanted that. <laughs> Brett, Mike Specht, it's always a pleasure chatting with the fellas. Uh, thank you so much. And uh, shit, man. Football this week. Let's rock it. Watch the breakdown. Well, you gotta love him. Resident good guy, resident Patriots fan, resident football connoisseur. Mike Specht, I I suppose, you know, he's going to take any of those as a pat on the back. Um, They're sincere. They're sincere. Big shout out to Mike Specht. Uh, Football, football draft. And we're going to have our own little bit of fun with this coming up later on this week, Brett. It's something that you and I kind of developed over the last couple of years into sort of a modified, well, it's a drinking game and good God, does it ever get you drunk? So if you've got nothing else to do on Thursday, maybe you're working from the home office on Friday morning, can afford to throw a little Bailey's in the coffee, a little hair of the dog to get things going again after drinking with us on draft night. Uh, By 
all means, but this will be a fun one. And I want Poppy, you to explain uh, some of the ground rules for what we can expect from our Instagram live on Thursday. Yeah. As you mentioned this, uh, this, this puts you down for, for a couple, um, last year I, <laughs> I was in trouble last year, but, uh, uh, yeah, as you mentioned, just something that we've always kind of, uh, are always kind of our thing that, uh, we, uh, we really go all out for. And, uh, so this drinking game that we kind of developed here is, uh, something that we are going to be playing for the Instagram live. And, uh, I'm going to explain to you just some of the rules that we have, uh, first and foremost are kind of the important ones or the ones that are kind of more prevalent right now. Uh, the first one is, uh, take a drink whenever a player thanks God. Okay. So normally, normally in like an interview after a player gets drafted, they're like, "Oh yeah, I want to thank God." My yeah, mom. glory to God, glory to God, glory to God. Yeah. Nothing wrong with that. It's just uh, you know, kind of a humorous and cliched thing. So we're gonna play off of it, and good God, we're gonna drink. <laughs> yeah, I would take a drink. Um, it's kind of like when when uh, hockey players are in an interview and they're like, "Yeah, you just you know go to get pucks deep, uh, pucks on net. Uh, you know, got to stay out of the box." know stuff like that so um that's one of the ones uh the next one is uh you take a sip whenever your pick is incorrect as mentioned uh well obviously as we just talked about with uh mr speck uh we all have mock drafts or the two of us have mock drafts so whenever a pick is incorrect of first we take a sip of our drink and there, there's a lot of that. Typically, like historically, what would you say? I'd say around picks, you know, eight through ten is where the wheels start to completely fall off. And a lot of the time, it only takes you getting one wrong, and then there's a trickle down effect. You start picking up uh, collections here and there. But you can understand, you know, if you think back to some of the drafts, and and if you've ever done a mock draft in particular, how quickly one could drink because of how quickly one will be very wrong. It is an absolute crapshoot, but it's a lot of fun too well the worst part about those is like as soon as you get like one trade and as soon as you're wrong about one trade it's just like like you said a trickle down effect because then players aren't going where they're supposed to be but then teams will end up picking that player anyways so you're half right but at like seven picks later or seven picks before and you're like well fuck well and that reinforces why we're podcasters or professional interviewers rather than professional you know experts foot football team general managers and that sort of thing uh but but there's a couple other humorous things that we do as part of this so we've we've played around with one that i really enjoy but frankly the commissioners get booed too too much and too often for this but the simple one is start a waterfall when the commissioner begins getting booed and don't stop finishing that drink until the commissioner ceases to get booed but we don't know what that's going to look like this year because of the virtual aspect so i'm gonna say that that one is is in with an asterisk i will i will be hammering back a <clears throat> no free advertisements on this show uh, a frosty adult beverage <laughs> and 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 you know i'll be playing along with that one i'll i'll be clear as a window i am gonna be probably drinking some white claws um but <laughs> yeah you're damn right i i see that face but i'm mucking those baby uh so now we're gonna move to the shots uh yeah i know we've already we're mucking the frosty adult beverages but we're going hard too um we're going to the shots the first one is whenever the other person's pick 
is correct and yours is not correct. Um, so that kind of starts. That's when Brett the gets drunk because yeah. Brendan usually makes a few more correct picks and then Brett's got to start hammering hard alcohol and uh, it just doesn't end. <laughs> so this year, this year, you know what? You've done about three or four more of these that I have this year. So I'm hoping that this is, is a year where you put me on my ass early in this competition. Me too. Uh, we'll, we'll see. Too. We'll see where it goes. Well, last year, oh, fuck, when I stood up, as soon as the draft ended, I stood up. I was in my place in Lloyd. I stood up, and as soon as I stood up, my face went right into the couch right next to me. And I was like, yeah, it's Betty by time. <laughs> like, wow. It, it was <laughs> not. Yeah. Um, mix of water. That, mix of water. <laughs> yeah, have a couple waters in between. Every 10 picks, every seven picks, you know. Um, moving on to uh, the next one is uh, what uh, Roger Goodell will say whenever, you know, we're probably going to be taking a getting something wrong here. But uh, we've got a trade to announce. And uh, probably the most exciting words in sports, kind of, because you, you're always getting you're like a little giddy when. Probably not in conversations with that spot. And you're like, but what if? But what if? But I mean, I was caught victim with that a couple years ago when the Bears traded up to two and picked Mitch Trubisky. So, and then later on in that same draft, this is why they're so fun, though. This is a really good point. Is because your team makes the trade up to the number two slot in that draft and they pick Mitch Trubisky, who had a lot of question marks, but that's still exciting. You guys are still looking to make a franchise-altering move. A few picks later, the Texans did the same thing and they traded up and ultimately selected their now franchise quarterback, Deshaun Watson. And that was the first time, like, you know, those who know me probably think that I'm a diehard hockey fan and, and of course, I love the sport. Um, but I probably cheer harder for my Houston Texans than, than I do for any other team in any other sport. I was weeping. I was weeping happy tears when they made that move because you're so emotionally connected to this shit. And sometimes we have a trade to announce can be those magic words, my friend. Coming off the national championship, too, was Deshaun Watson. And later on in that draft, uh, can we also mention who was picked? Uh, Patrick Mahomes. That was before Deshaun. Mahomes went 10, I believe. I believe Deshaun went 12. Yeah, uh, but regardless. Same idea. How did we get the worst fucking quarterback first? Fuck. Sorry. Sorry. That's another conversation. And then the last (laughs) shot that we will be taking, uh, that we have right now, um, is whenever Joe Burrow gets compared to Peyton Manning. Because he's as complete a quarterbacking prospect as they've seen in a long time, according to many reports that I've read from scouts, I think this is one we'll get a lot of. So I'm a little bit like, okay, please, for the love of God, because Peyton wasn't mobile, make sure that we don't hear it too often. If this is a shot per mention, and we're talking about the guy with very little wrong with his game, so to speak, I think that we're going to hear it a reasonable amount for Burrow to Cincinnati. So at least it's going to be a hell of a way to kickstart things because that'll be the first pick. And then, I mean, we can pray that we don't have to hear about it again, but it sounds like we're going to have plenty of other reason to be, uh, to be absolutely liquored by the time this is all said and done. 
And then the final category for us will be finish your drink, which uh, the one that we have written down right now is uh, whenever a player shows the inside of a suit jacket. So what's interesting is that they'll be at home. So uh, it'll be interesting to see if they'll have, you know, their suits, what they'll be wearing, um, if that's going to be as prevalent this year, because that's always a question mark of, uh, you know, what type of shoes, um, the getup, the references to their college teams or high school teams. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what uh, the teams will be looking at. One of my favorite stories out of recent memory in the NFL draft is when Eli Apple, who was a cornerback for Ohio State, was going to get taken very high in the lottery by uh, by any team. And then he ended up going to the Giants. But he wouldn't he wasn't wearing any watch. And a lot of the time what happens is you get these expensive watch dealers who are looking for a little bit of clout. So they'll throw it on the 18 year old kid and and he can't have it. He can't gift it because of all the NCAA's regulations and rules. But you can sure wear it for one night. And Eli Apple's mom looked at him and said, you're a broke ass high school or a college dropout. You ain't wearing a Rolex. You ain't wearing a Rolex. And she didn't let him. And he was up there. And, and you know what? His career has been a little bit tumultuous since. I, I don't suspect there was any correlation. But it's just it's funny how the, the frivolities might not be sort of like you said, Brett. It might not be on the forefront this year. I personally, I would be wearing sweatpants underneath, oh, yeah. you know, my suit jacket at this point, because why not? So uh, bottom line here, we've got an exciting Thursday planned for you to hang out with us at least a little bit here on the Breakdown Pod's Instagram account that is at the Breakdown underscore pod. So uh, we'll be posting some information uh, in the next couple of days leading on to that before we do the draft. And then Thursday will be a lot of fun. Uh, we're also looking for uh, suggestions as well. With uh, the drinking game, this isn't completely rounded out. But I just got another one off the top of my brain because we're thinking of uh, good draft um, moments. My One of my favorite uh, draft moments is when Tack McKinley got drafted by the Atlanta Hawks and swore. Falcons. The, or the Hawks. The Falcons, yes. Um, and he's, he swore holding a picture of his grandma. And I'm here, man. I completed the promise. That means every fucking thing to me. Excuse my language. Man, find me later, man. Find me later, man. This means everything to me. So uh, I, I added another one here. We take a shot whenever we get a swear. So uh, maybe uh, maybe we get a couple of those. Yeah, yeah. I, I, we're we're gonna have to get creative in the next couple of days here and think of like what what to do when a funny technical glitch happens, right? Like, you, you know, do you have to take a selfie with the frozen screen? So we, there's any a million of ways that we could take this. So yeah, let's get your input. Uh, hit us up on uh, I guess in our DMs at the Breakdown underscore Pod on Instagram, where you can find me as well. I'm available at Brendan Escott. That's Brendan with an E. Brett is at uh, oh, fuck you say it. <laughs> <laughs> you can find me at the real Holden 40. Thanks for joining us uh, on another episode of the breakdown podcast. Uh, another, another thank you to Mike Speck. He's more family than guests. Of course. We'll, we'll issue him a thanks one yeah. last time. Anyway, yeah. it's like a third host. It's, it's like Batman, Robin, and he's like Alfred. Yeah. Or like Steve, the guy no one's heard of. Yeah. Something right. like that. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, are you ready for some football? Watch the breakdown.